welcome to the curious list podcast in this episode i speak to pooja prabhakar who is the ceo and managing partner at bcp associates a second generation entrepreneur pooja has worked in two different geographies us and india with her engineering background and knowledge of technology which she expertly integrated in the field of labor and employment laws her firm has successfully rolled out enterprise programs in legal audit and advisory across several large companies in india i speak to her about her growing up in bangalore her days in the united states the work culture between the two countries and why she chose to come back to india after having tasted success in corporate america hi pooja thank you so much for being part of the curious list podcast hi anmol thank you uh, very much for having me over it's certainly an honor and i'm quite excited so uh, i read that you were born and raised uh, in bangalore and that your father's a lawyer but you were always inclined towards engineering Firstly you know how did this interest for engineering come about and um, you know perhaps at that time there were probably very few women who were uh, you know wanting to study engineering if i'm not mistaken so speak to me about growing up in bangalore and about uh, studying engineering sure absolutely so growing up in bangalore i think um, my family environment the kind of environment that i grew up in was something that had pretty much of a modern outlook with uh, very strong indian values and principles not conservative or traditional and neither was it too modern so i would say it was you know more in tune with the times um i was certainly lucky you know growing up you know we are certainly lucky and privileged to have the right exposure so i actually went to one of the best convent schools here in bangalore and that's what it used to be called at that time uh, my father was a self made man a very successful lawyer as you know um you know gr- growing in stature and reputation as we were growing up so my family and my social circle actually they were more business focused uh you know my extended family i mean so the fact that my father was on the professional side was a distinction and differentiation in and of itself so that's when actually my father you know became my idol of sorts um i always toyed with the idea of well you know should i look at becoming a lawyer but then the environment that he was in now he was into hardcore labor and employment laws and at that time in india in the 80s and and um, 90s if you will the early 90s um wasn't so conducive for this field of law So um actually you know before engineering I uh, was quite interested in becoming a doctor if you mm. believe me okay <laughs> <laughs> more in my middle and high school you know so while my dad was you know my idol I think my mom played a big role in you know in that modern and brave outlook she kind of instilled those things infused that confidence um and uh, you know really empowered me on many fronts you know to to make bold decisions not be afraid to make choices and kind of you know go with what i believed in so i feel a lot of that um, stems from her influence on me and i always try to emulate her fearlessness and courage so against such a backdrop i was like not just a doctor but i thought i had the clarity to be a neurologist so i called So I call myself the queen of gray cells 
And um, that was until, um, you know, I came to my 11th and 12th, and then I wasn't so sure. So at that time is when this was um, the mid 90s. So at that is when actually IT came along, you know, so this whole thing was born. And that was the next big thing, apparently, and everyone was excited about it. And um, my parents advised me that, uh, hey, while it's great for you to be a lawyer, this might be a better profession, you should consider it, you know, people, we are told that it is going to be an easier path to settle down, you know, it might be quicker for you to start earning, it is fairly cutting edge, it's supposed to be a thing of the future. But most importantly, the thing that they were trying to buy me out with is that it's going to be a very comfortable working environment in air conditioned offices. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, um, I did um, end up uh, speaking to um, the owner of BMS College at that time. He was a great educator and he was a family friend. And uh, my parents felt that, you know, coming from the horse's mouth, you know, he may he may be able to give me a perspective that they were not giving. And after speaking to him, I mean, I, I was obviously convinced, you know, you're, you're young, impressionable minds at that time, easily influenceable, and of course, for the good. So once I spoke to him, there I was, you know, having chosen to do engineering and information technology. So given that it was information technology and given that it was the mid-90s, we actually did have a good mix of female students, especially in this branch of study. You know, it wasn't your regular, um, you know, um, uh, traditional engineering branches of civil or mechanical where still male population was higher. But here, you know, it was certainly more of a female population. Um, at, at, not 50-50, but fairly significant. So I, so I think that way it was certainly a great um, experience, uh, you know, kind of knowing that you're going to be doing something that is a thing of the future. But coming out of engineering, you know, as soon as I graduated, one of the things I got was recognition in my, um, you know, family circles, community circles, if you will, for actually being the first female IT engineer. So I think the first engineer itself, I'm not really sure. So I remember them giving me a gold medal and things like that. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. And um, after, after you, you finished engineering, you went to study uh, further in the United States. And tell me about your time as a student uh, in the US. How different was that from studying uh, in India? And some things that you still remember from, from being uh, a student in the US? Absolutely. So um, see, all along, while I was doing my engineering, I pretty much knew that I wanted to go to the US and I wanted to pursue, um, you know, a degree in management because I felt that would be a nice combination. I mean, whatever clarity I had at that time, uh, you know, having technology and management and kind of going into the corporate world. So um, while studying itself, everybody was gearing up and so was I and you write your entrance exams and things like that. But I didn't go that mainstream route. So I didn't, you know, kind of apply to all the universities, get all my visas and admissions and things like that, and then go. I actually went through marriage. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> it was completely unexpected. I wrote my GRE and then immediately met my husband. And, uh, you know, things moved very quickly. I got married and then I, um, I, I landed in the US and then started to look for, okay, what, university am I going to go to given the place that he was located and he was in Connecticut 
Hartford, Connecticut. So I said, okay, let me look for something around here. And I remember very clearly thinking that while it would have been you know, really exciting to come here as you know, your traditional route, I'm like, you know what, coming here through marriage, I mean, you know, the, I mean, we were almost the same age. Maybe he was here, he's a couple, he was there a couple years before I went, but he had everything figured out. So I kind of went into a ready-made setup and I said, this is not so bad, you know, I don't buy a car, I don't know, figure everything out, you know, he's just helping me along. So, um, so that's how I, um, you know, went there. And then once I started studying, I did my master's in management. And, um, you know, obviously, you know, the approach to um, studying or imparting teaching there is very, very different. It's a very solution-oriented approach. It's an application-based approach as opposed to, you know, theoretical uh, that was prevalent in India at the time. Of course, now India also, there are a lot of changes in the way, um, you know, education is approached. But at the time, it was fairly theoretical. Hmm. Hmm. And, you know, my mindset there was more, you know, to be kind of a significant fish in a lesser known sea, as opposed to an insignificant fish in a, in a famed ocean, if you will. Right. You know, so um, I had the option of going to Yale. It was also in the vicinity. But then I came across this, uh, uh, you know, master's program in um, the university called the Central Connecticut State University. Um, and it was an MIS degree. It was a multidisciplinary master's, which was actually fairly new at that time, you know, as a concept itself. So it was a mix of information systems management and engineering. And it just kind of, you know, seemed like just cut out for me. So, um, so I think it was more the enthusiasm of um, finding something that, you know, accidentally that is just so right for you. And um, another thing that was different for me was I uh, uh, was studying alongside working. So I felt that made it a much more of an enriching experience and opposed to just studying and then going into the work environment. Because I could relate the learnings from class to real world uh, situations um, at work and take those real world applications and, you know, kind of use that as examples to enrich my learning experience um, in college. Right. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. And. And, and to add to that, I think my choice, you know, certainly paid off in terms of choosing this course that I was interested in, although it was a lesser known university, I actually ended up, um, you know, uh, the choice paid off, if you will, because I kind of ended up being featured by the university as a stellar grad with great industry opportunities and became a poster child of sorts oh, wow. know, for all students graduating from um, CCSU. Um, and. You know, right after you graduated, uh, you went to be part, uh, I mean, you were part of a startup or perhaps you were part of a startup while you were also in, in, in college. But, you know, most people who graduated uh, from colleges uh, in the US, most Indians who go there, you know, want to work for big, uh, stable companies, or at least at the time. Uh, what was what was that like working for a startup versus working for something that is more, you know, just just a stable company that people know of also back home? I think that's a great question, you know, given that we are in the world of startups now. I mean, this I'm talking back in 2000, it really was in the world of startups. So, but it ended up being quite an exhilarating experience. And I'm going to take a little more of your time here, Anmo. So, because it was, it was such an experience. Something that kind of, you know, unfolded on its own without any design, you know. So, I just got um, lucky uh, when they offered me a job. So not this was not just a job, you know. So they were they were giving me a job. They were going to sponsor my visa. They were going to give me on the job training with support for industry certifications and most importantly tuition reimbursement for college. Oh wow, wow! 
And I couldn't, I couldn't believe my lucky stars, yeah. true. And how did I get this job? All on the basis of two wrong answers. Oh. <laughs> and they, they actually asked me only two questions. So I got all of it wrong. But, but the clincher was apparently, you know, they told me later on, the founders told me later on that the clincher was apparently my attitude. So after getting everything wrong, I told them that I would be delighted to join them if they offered me a job. Her enthusiasm can't hurt and uh, she looks trainable. So no harm, let's get her on. So that's how <laughs> I got that job. So it was a great uh, environment with a lot of freedom, if you will. So, you know, how you have the traditional corporate, large corporate constructs, you know, this was not there. Um, although all these guys were from large companies. So, uh, you know, I think I was there with them for a year and you know, really learned a lot and was able to earn all those certifications and also study alongside. So just when everything was going great, you know, it, it started off so beautifully and so suddenly, but it also ended just as suddenly with a big bang. And that was 9-11. Exactly one year of my joining, 9-11 um, happened and actually 9-11 happens to be my birthday as well. Oh. So we had a big party planned um, at lunch that day. It was a Friday, I clearly remember. And I think there were two or three of us with 9-11 birthdays. So for a small office or a small company of 20, 25 people, it was, you know, three people having birthdays on the same day was a big thing. So we were all excited and everything. We all came in in the morning and we had barely settled down. And that's it. You know, just, you know, the, uh, we just started watching it live on TV and it was unfolding in front of us. And one thing that all of us knew, our faces were ashen, because the one thing we all knew was that we will not have jobs anymore. And this company is not going to exist anymore. Why? Because our biggest clients were in the World Trade Center. We were catering to a very niche um, you know, set of clientele, basically reinsurance companies, rich insurance companies that were actually housed in the World Trade Center. So we actually just watched our you know our clients died you know we just watched our personal futures crumble in front of our eyes and I actually had a lot more to lose actually both my husband and I were in the same company at that time because our visas were with this company so uh, while the experience was great I mean it also was that you know I just kind of lost my first job just like that so I think overall that was a you know quite an exhilarating experience and then of course from there I moved on to other jobs right Right. Uh, after 2001, um, you did work for multiple uh, Fortune 50 companies, but um, you know, after rising up this ladder, you, you came back to India and you joined the family law firm. Uh, what was that uh, decision like, especially because you, know, you, were, you were married there, your, your husband was working there as well. So um, what was that decision like for you? Um, again, that was a very um, exciting phase, you know, so you're kind of, you know, doing these things, not knowing what the future will hold, but you have that strong desire to do something beyond what there is. So, you know, so from my startup, I was lucky enough to get a job in, a, you know, in a large insurance company, one of the Fortune companies and then I moved around a couple of companies so you're right I climbed the ladder I tasted corporate success I even basked in it for some time but 
I always felt a little boxed in. You know, I felt like I wanted a larger playing field. You know, I felt like the world was larger than the confines of, you know, a single corporation. Um, you know, never mind that it was one of the largest insurance companies with close to 100,000 employees. <laughs> but I still felt, you know, I wanted to do something broader and wider and um, you know, something for myself. So by then, you know, that yearning to work for my father, you know, like my father being my idol. And with um, as life goes on and the maturity sets in and understanding sets in, you know, uh, that started to surface a lot. You know, I wanted to take his name and legacy forward. And, you know, everything that I had left behind, see, the really, one of the big reasons I wanted to move to the U.S., study and work there was to create something for myself by myself. So, you know, to establish myself as a professional, you know, as a successful professional, which I felt by this time, you know, was kind of sort of, you know, had, had happened and I had learned. There were a lot of learnings and I felt like I wanted to take this back to my family. But, um, you know, remember at that time, so this was all this decision was ha making was happening between 2005 and 2010. India was not yet as stable economically, politically or financially. So, and, um, you know, my child was going to a great school. My husband had a great job. I had a great job and everything was going fine. So now, you know, how do you disrupt everything and start from scratch? Uh, but I had always espoused this philosophy of, you know, kind of... Um, going out on, on top. So I said, you know, it's now or never, you know, otherwise the kind of complacency sets in, you know, the child grows up, there's an inertia and, you know, and you may not be so enthusiastic for a big change. So, you know, just, just took the plunge. So against all odds and just with that dream in my mind of, you know, doing something for myself and taking this, this uh, legacy forward and just the faith that everything is going to work out. You know, we just made the decision. My um, husband was my pillar of support. Um, although he didn't completely agree with it, he said, you know what, let's just give your dreams a chance and let's see what happens. And, um, you know, here we are 11 years later. Now he's joined me as well. So I wanted to ask you about, uh, you know, being a family-owned business. You know, usually family-owned businesses, uh, now perhaps they do a lot of family-owned businesses also run like corporate companies. But uh, when you came back, what was that like for you? And how different is it working in India compared to the U.S.? Great. You know, I mean, I think that's a very, very pertinent question. And, you know, and I think that's true at any time. It doesn't have to be then or now and 10 years from now. Also, this, this may be relevant. So um, for me, it was, you know, changes on many fronts. Now, I was coming from the US to India and I had never led my adult life in India. You know, all my um, adulthood, early career and all that maturity, um, all that had come in the US. So I really didn't know what India is like for a working professional. Secondly, I had an, um, a technology background, an engineering background. And, um, you know, while I have done some work that is relevant to the audit firm that I eventually uh, took over and created, um, you know, it was coming into the legal domain. So I'm coming from uh, an educational base of technology, having worked in an insurance industry into the legal domain. So it was, it was changes on many fronts. And of course, um, you know, it was uh, Fortune 50 America to really small business India. 
So, um, and to your point, yes, it wasn't structured like a corporate, uh, like like a company would, because this was, um, a, you know, this was a law firm, and one of the first things that had to happen was bridging the gap. You know, so bridging the gap between what the law firm was offering um, to our corporate consumers. So I think, you know, fortunately, the you know the career in the U.S. ten years had kind of prepared the ground for me. Um, you know, audit was my forte, and you know, my father had a small, not so significant audit firm that he was running off the side of his desk. It was casual, not too structured. All of three employees and no consistent revenue. Um, so this was so he saw. You know, obviously, my father de-risked. He's a smart man, which is why he where he is, and he said. Well, it's my daughter. I have no idea if she's capable or not. You know, she has done something in the U.S. Yes, she's you know earned some accolades and things like that. But I'm not risking anything. And so he kind of gave me this small thing and said, "Okay, do what you want. You know, I run it to the ground. It wouldn't affect him. I made it successful. You know, it's good for all." So I think. Um, that's how I started. You know, I I I didn't have anything to lose. I had already given up everything, so I just kind of you know went for it, um, and uh, tried to bring in whatever I had learned from that work culture and those corporate constructs into what we were offering here. Now the difference, there's a significant difference, uh, at least then, uh, between uh, the U.S. and India, especially in the working system the us runs on process and methodology now they have figured it out um, process and system is king i feel everyone bows down to that which is why things can run itself you know it's not two people dependent you know the construct kind of um, you know prevails and dictates a lot of the operations now india uh, more casual you know, so it still has its mix of both. Of course, now in 2020, 2021, we have more of the process methodology technology, but back in 2010, it wasn't the same. So um, adjusting to that was a big challenge, but most importantly, I kind of adopted the modus operandi of just kind of going with the flow and bringing about change wherever I could. So now remember, I also had a free hand, you know, I could do what I wanted. Um, so I, I was able to very quickly introduce all of the process methodology and technology into what we were doing. And uh, that kind of made a difference um, to our clients who started to, you know, eventually lap it up. Yeah, I want to ask you a little more about this, uh, this legal technology that your company has created and deployed. Uh, can you speak a little bit more about this? Yes, absolutely. So it was totally greenfield at the time. So um, legal tech was there. India, it was pretty nascent in India, but it was there in some way, shape or form. But audit technology in the legal field was completely unheard of. Now, for me, that's the only way I knew to work. I just knew, um, you know, to work within the constructs of the technology uh, solution, as well as some methodology. Um, so, so I kept looking for opportunities um, to actually create that. Of course, initially, I was a little hesitant. I didn't know if I had to, you know, create the solution first and then wait for the problem to come by or, you know, do it the other way around. Now, luckily for me, there was a need that came up from some of our clients and it was very easy for me to solution for it. So it was thinking outside the box here in India, 
not knowing if they would actually embrace it or not. But I said, you know what, nevertheless, the legalities were figured out. So we were the undisputed, um, you know, kind of uh, go-to advisors and leaders when it came to the subject matter. But how to package that and deliver it to the the client who needed to apply it was not there. So I kind of... um, just went ahead with my intuition and said, let's see what happens because we do have, we do have someone at the table who is wanting. So kind of married that need to what we had to offer and created an audit platform, um, which could help right from evidence management all the way to identifying the gaps and risks and providing a risk mitigation strategy um, and a, a, you know, a remediation and recommendation of sorts that the companies could um, apply. Uh, you know, a scoring mechanism you know, to ensure that they are um, compliant or not. You know, coming up with a risk categorization and a risk calibration uh, based on the field and putting all this together within an application, a web application, and you know, um, presenting uh, to the clients um, a dashboard of sorts. And, and because the consumers of this dashboard were eventually um, managements from other countries, primarily the US, I think it kind of made it easy for me because now suddenly I was talking their language and they were quite surprised to see that a small law firm in Bangalore, India was you know, saying exactly what they wanted because of my audit background. I'd worked on Sarbanes-Oxley and I had worked on you know, corporate or internal orders, disaster recovery, then I'd done e-discoveries, a lot of these things. And you know, that's how I think it just kind of all came together. That's very interesting. Uh, you know, I have a two-part uh, final question is a two-part question. One is uh, how much is, you know, COVID-19 and the disruption of many past models doing business change the way, you know, you and your firm are looking at the future. And my second part of the question is, you know, in the beginning, you said how engineering um, at that time was the way of the future. What would you give, you know, someone's advice to someone who's just starting out young and, and looking for something that is the future? What would you what would you say to that person now? Great. So I'll take your the, I'll answer the first one first. Um, so with COVID, obviously, you know, we all know that um, there's been a lot of disruptions, but most importantly, I think fundamentally, there has been a mindset change. I think human beings, you know, we are the underlying, uh, you know, makeup is the same for all of us. So the human you know, behaviors, you know, all of that is the same. It's just where you are, you know, culturally, um, socially, all of that, you know, certain places have had to make larger changes because of COVID, whereas others, it has been smaller, uh, you know, just course corrections or, you know, small, small deviations. Now, specifically for me and my firm, being in the field that we are, that is labor and employment laws, COVID disruptions, then the ensuing work from anywhere kind of uh, uh, model, as well as, um, you know, uh, you may or may not know, but India is on the verge of labor reform, something that we have been waiting for decades now. So with all of this, um, our work has kind of become very central and important uh, to the functioning of various organizations, whether it has been a COVID death or whether it has been payment during lockdowns or whether it has been 
disruption to business. Um, there are a lot of employment law related questions. Then when you work from anywhere or you work from home, you know, a whole bunch of uh, employment law issues become pertinent um, to the functioning of uh, to, to that govern that employer employee relationship. So with all of this, I think for us, uh, it is just uh, being in the right place at the right time. It's the best time, the most opportune time, if you will, to make a difference and to contribute the best that we can to help everyone else, um, you know, who has been affected by this. Right. And uh, overall, I think India Inc. has gone through a seismic shift in mindset. Now, I have been, you know, uh, working from home or have had the opportunity to work from home on and off right from 2000 or 2001. That's 20 years prior, whereas a lot of industries here, organizations here in India are doing it for the first time. So this is a tried and tested proven model. It all it needed was a shift in mindset. And as we all saw it, you know, we adapted, we did it. Businesses continued, you know, we tried um, at least where it was possible and things like technology and others, you know, uh, things actually flourished. So um, some of these will continue for a while, this change in mindset. Some are, of, of course, here to stay forever. But um, I think, you know, it's just a matter of uh, keeping that open mind, going with the flow and adapting to whatever situation is thrown at us. Right, right. Wow. And, and sorry, and the, and the next uh, part of the question. Yes, I'm sorry. Could you repeat that for me? Yeah. Yeah. The next part of the question, you know, in the beginning uh, of the episode, you spoke about how your parents nudged you towards engineering because they thought it was the way of the future. So for someone who is young today uh, on the sidelines wondering what to do, what would you advise them? What is the what do you think is the, the future now? Well, um, actually speaking, it's still tech and in fact, more reinforced today than ever before. So I was in the situation perhaps 25 years ago, but looking at the way things have changed now, especially with the pandemic, um, I would still say, you know, um, technology is at the center of it all. And today it is weaved into everything, every domain, every field that we are, uh, that we can think of. So I would still say uh, that is something that you can pursue. You will not go wrong, whether you're a creator of technology or a consumer of technology. Um, you know, having that familiarity and mindset is going to be critical or is going to be vital to success. Whether we're going to go towards clean energy, um, you know, uh, cryptocurrency, uh, artificial intelligence, you know, anything, I feel technology is at the center of it. And uh, whatever field you choose to, even if you don't choose to specialize in technology, having some kind of familiarity and understanding of it is going to be vital to success. Great. Uh, thank you so much, Pooja. Thank you so much for your time. Well, thanks a lot, Anmol. I appreciate it. And thank you for having me on your show. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Curious List Podcast. This podcast is hosted by me, Anmol Karnik, and is produced by Curious List with music by Sanjeel Malik.